I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook. As human beings, we like to feel confident that we know what we know and we can handle it. And so I think we're almost afraid to be outside of that little bubble sometimes because, well, what if I suck? What if I'm not as good as I thought I was going to be? Children are massive reminders of, can you just let yourself suck? They fall down that many times, they get back up and they just keep going. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode, I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. Today I am joined by my wonderful friend Michelle. Um, Michelle has done so many episodes on this podcast now, she's a regular guest. I just love our conversations. Michelle, welcome back, it's lovely to have you. It's always fun to be here, I never know where we're going to end up, which is a part of the enjoyment. We start with a plan and then we just let the conversation roll. So here goes. Michelle is a trauma recovery coach for those of you who haven't heard any of our episodes in the past. Michelle has been in the holistic wellness field for a long time. How many years now, Michelle? Well, since 2003, so about 18 years now. So just a wee while. Just a wee while. Uh, my Scottish is rubbing off on you a wee while. <laughs> you can't take that from me because you know that my grandfather's Scottish. So, you know, I or was Scottish, I should say. So you know, I like to claim my Scottish heritage as often as possible. That's awesome. <laughs> You've been around for a long time. You've written books, Amazon bestsellers. You worked on Hamilton Island with the stars. You're just an all-around amazing human. So I love having you on the show. 
Oh, thanks, Elena. I always look forward to where our conversations go because like you said, they we can start with a plan, but then we just go on verbal road trips. Yeah, but it's always really well received. In fact, our last episode we recorded together is my most downloaded ever to date. So, And it's one of the newest ones, so that's really exciting. So it's obviously landing well. So, you know, no pressure for us to keep that up. <laughs> no pressure at all. No expectations. <laughs> Which is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Michelle and I are also very good friends and we were chatting, I think it was last, was it last week? Let's see, it was probably just over a week ago now. Do you want to share the story of how we got to choosing this? Absolutely. I, as I have shared in some previous episodes, have alluded to the fact that one of my personal passions and hobbies outside of wellness and all of the things that I do is I've been horse riding ever since I was a little girl and horses have been a massive part of my life I love I'm a big country girl I love riding I love being in nature I love the bush I'm a big outdoorsy person and I haven't owned my own horses for almost 18 months now because of some big, long and convoluted stories that I'll share with you guys another day. And so for the past 18 months, just on a bit of an ad hoc basis, I've been riding some friends' horses when they've asked me to train their horse or just ride their horse or go for a pleasure ride. And a couple weeks ago... I've started sort of riding again on a bit more of a regular basis with some friends. However, when I was riding, one of my friends took some videos and photos of me and I was looking back on them and I was chatting to Elena about it. I'm like, oh my God, all I could see were the flaws and the faults. And I was realizing how strong my expectations were of myself that I should still be at the level of writing that I'm capable of, of the skills and qualifications that I possess as an equestrian. I should be able to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, instead of fully even being able to enjoy the ride, I was like, oh, my posture should be doing this. My muscles should be doing that. And You know, of course, it's kind of like riding a bike. It'll come back in its own time. But it was super interesting to sit in these expectations of myself that I should still be where I'm at, even though I was quite used to riding, you know, at least five times a week to haven't ridden on a regular basis for 18 months. How on earth could I expect myself to be at that level? And so it opened up a really beautiful conversation with Elena and myself. And I shared it with my audience on social media of how I was judging myself. And I think there's so many areas in our life, both personally and professionally, where we have so much pressure and expectation and all of these bullshit stories that we tell ourselves and where we should be. And why? Why, 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 why are we doing that? Why? Thank you for sharing that because it's an awesome story and it's 
give some background perspective as to how we've got to having this conversation. You know, we like to pull from real life experience that we're both having. And I remember experiencing something similar a few years ago when I went back to Highland dancing. I mean, Highland dancing is full on kind of dancing. And I'm probably about 20 kilos heavier than I was when I last danced. And I got really frustrated at myself because I wasn't at competition standard like I used to be. I'd had two babies and many, many years of a hiatus. So what was I expecting? But it is, it's that pressure we put on ourselves. And I always say to clients, you know, sometimes, not always, but sometimes expectation when it comes with judgment of ourselves as well. It's the biggest killer of joy. It takes you away from the present moment and actually enjoying what it is you're doing. And like you horse ride because it brings you so much joy. And I dance because it brings me so much joy. But when we put this added pressure of this expectation and judgment on ourselves, we lose that sense of joy around what we're doing. Exactly. I love that. It, it really does. It robs us of all of that joy. And I love what you said about how, you know, we really do share our journeys in this because, you know, we're human too and we mess stuff up all the time. And that's why we have these open conversations because we're so passionate about authenticity. And I think that, None of us are exempt from placing these expectations on ourselves. And it's catching ourselves in these moments and being like, why the fuck am I doing that? Like what purpose? I mean, sometimes it's really important that there are expectations on us, but when they become stifling and as Elena just said, like rob us of our joy, what's the purpose of them being there? And are they even our voices in the first place too in our head that's telling us that we're not good enough? Where is that voice coming from? Where does the story originate? That's a a good rabbit hole to go down. If you do find yourself in that space of judging yourself and having expectations that are unrealistic, I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't be pushing ourselves to be the best, but we have to be realistic in what we're expecting to achieve because as Michelle said, you know, we're all human. And if you, like Michelle, hadn't horse ridden for ages and I hadn't danced for ages you can't expect to be back at peak performance when you just start out again it's a process you go through to get there and it's about enjoying the process and not putting too much pressure on yourself exactly and I think that's it it's it's pressure to be a certain way or at a certain level or that we're always going to be there And so maybe it's worthwhile sort of differentiating where we can have expectation in our personal life and professional life for today's tutor chat. Definitely. We do put a lot of expectations on ourselves. And I know in my professional life, I do it. I mean, I work in PACU and I've been in PACU for years and years now. And if you were to go and put me into a medical ward, I would be a mess because I'd be like I don't know what I'm doing it's such a different situation a different scenario the patients are different and I know I would suffer really hard with imposter syndrome even though I've been a nurse for over 20 years just because I've been taken out of my comfort zone and what I know best 
But I would soon find my feet and through education and experience, get back to a level where I feel more confident and happy in myself and what I'm doing. But it's knowing that it's okay to have that moment where you are unsure and you do need to open up to new experience, to delve into new learning, to new study, to try something new because there's no growth in our comfort zone, but it can be that fear of not being good enough that keeps us there because we place these high expectations on ourselves to always be performing at our best. I think so. I also think actually, as you were talking, I was contemplating and I'm like, I think we're afraid to suck at something. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, and I think when we're talking about this in like a professional capacity, like you said, if you were to be removed from your current work position and put into maybe ED or something like that, you'd be able to do it, but it might feel clunky. It might feel difficult. It might feel tricky or challenging because it's outside of your comfort zone. And we froth over routine. Like as human beings, we like to feel confident that we know what we know and we can handle it. And so I think we're almost afraid to be outside of that little bubble sometimes because, well, what if I suck? What if I'm not as good as I thought I was going to be? And I think children are massive reminders of, can you just let yourself suck? Because so many parents listen to this podcast. And how many times do you watch your child fail at things over and over again? And then they get it. And we're afraid of those in-betweens where we're still clunky, where we still stuff up, where we still fall on our face, where we still need to ask for help or guidance or how do I do this? Or kids don't have that, you know, like they fall down that many times, you know, metaphorically as well as physically, <laughs> but it doesn't stop them. They get back up and they just keep going. Yeah, and it's all about the learning, isn't it? It's the journey. And I know as a nurse, I've got this big fear of messing up because obviously it's people's lives we're dealing with. You know, the margin for error is minuscule. There's not really one there at all, to be honest. But that's where you have to be completely vulnerable and you have to ask questions, you know, if that's the answer to that problem, you know, if you're unsure, especially if you're moved to a new area and you take on a new challenge, asking questions is the best thing you can do. And it's a very powerful thing to be able to be vulnerable enough to ask the questions because that's where the knowledge lies. Exactly. And I think there's an old saying, and I've probably will butcher this, but I'm going to give it a crack anyway. He who asks is a fool for a moment. He who does not ask remains a fool forever. I love that. That's awesome. I've never heard that before, but it's so true. And I, that one is etched in my brain because whenever I have that hesitance, whether it's, you know, in a professional space and I'm working with other experts or whatever it is, I'd much rather ask and be silly or stupid or whatever label you want to place on it for a moment rather than not asking and then remaining in that zone forever. So I think it's always a reminder that, you know, 
we are never going to be complete. We're always going to keep on learning. That's a part of the evolution of life. But if we're afraid of the learning, if we're afraid of being wrong, then that can prevent you from all of those good things. And it's what keeps us in our comfort zone as well when we're afraid of the change, of the trying something new. The fear of the unknown, you know, that's a huge one because when you take that step outside the comfort zone, you don't know what's going to happen. It could go one way, it could go the other. But we tend to focus on the negative rather than the positive. You know, we could take that step outside the comfort zone and things are absolutely amazing. But we tend to focus on the doomsday scenarios and all going pear shape and and we ending up, us, ourselves ending up in a mess where, you know, that's unlikely as the opposite. So... Tony Robbins speaks a lot about how if we're not growing, if we don't feel like we're growing or contributing, then we feel stagnant. And that's when things like depression and anxiety can start to seep in because as humans, we all want to feel like we are, we're growing and we're contributing. So, and the only way we can do that is by pushing that comfort zone. And it doesn't have to be a huge, big leap. You can do it in baby steps, but as as long as we are continuing pushing it and making the the diameter wider and wider. Absolutely. And and I think that's sort of hit the nail on the head, really. Like when we feel successful, I think they say that happiness is knowing that you're progressing. I think that in the nursing world and first responders and those that work in, in that medical field, because as you said, there's such a small margin of error and there's so much expectation of the job itself the expectations that you're placing upon yourself on top of that are unrealistic yes what I mean by that though is you are not a robot you are going to mess up because you are human There's always more medical and scientific information coming out all of the time. So there's always going to be more to learn. And so if you expect yourself to be at a particular level and to always exceed and to never get anything wrong, I think you're setting yourself up to fail. Yeah, you're robbing yourself of joy. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think there's healthy expectations in the workplace, but what Elena and I are really honing in on today is the unhealthy expectations that you are placing upon yourself from self-imposed limitation or from what you perceive as expectations from others around you. And it could be showing up in things like not being able to ask for help or not wanting to ask for help because you don't want to be perceived as not coping or not being good enough when you know as Michelle said we're all human we can only deal with what we we have the capacity to deal with on that day and if you have an overwhelming patient load one day and you need some assistance it's okay to ask for assistance because you know we're not robots we're not these superhumans that the media and the general public like to refer to us as sometimes we are actually human beings fulfilling a role with a duty of care towards our patients and ourselves. And you can't switch off 
all of the emotions and all of the human aspects of being a human. That's what makes life both beautiful and challenging all at the same time. So I'm wondering, Elena, maybe where have you perhaps in your own career in nursing, where have you experienced maybe some expectations on yourself that have been unrealistic that perhaps, you know, the listeners might really resonate with? I think the biggest time that I have really struggled was after being on maternity leave for an extended period of time and coming back into the workforce. I found it really intimidating because I expected to be back at the level I had been before I went off on leave. And like in between in that year, I'd had this little person arrive in my life and turn my life upside down in a wonderful way. But, you know, I hadn't been thinking about nursing for that year. You know, I was so focused on this baby boy that I had and being a mom and all the other wonderful changes that were going on in my life. When I first went back into work that day I was like oh my goodness you know I had to really think about what I was doing whereas before I went off on leave it was just natural it happened you know it's just you do it as a matter of course whereas you go back to that it's like riding a bike you know you have to actually consciously think right what am I doing what do I need to do now but I found my flow again really quickly and like my colleagues were all wonderful and supportive but you know I think that was the time that I probably found it the most daunting because I had this level of expectation on myself and I felt that my colleagues had where they probably didn't but I'd put that extra expectations thinking my colleagues had that expectation too you know I was looking through that double lens whereas in reality you know I'd had a year away I'd been at home with my baby not thinking about unconscious patients in the recovery room and removing LMAs and all the sorts so but within a month or two you know I was back it up to scratch and I do remember having to ask some questions that I thought oh my god I can't believe I'm asking this but I'm gonna have to but it kept me safe in my practice and kept my patients safe because at the end of the day we've got that duty of care towards our patients That's a really beautiful story and I'm sure that so many listeners could resonate with that and it might be even a a similar experience to what they've had personally too. And I love what you described too about this double expectation because you have this expectation of yourself that you believe that everybody else has the same expectation of you and that makes the expectation even bigger and the pressure becomes more paramount when actually none of that is the reality. It's the narrative in your own head. Yeah, totally. And back then I didn't know what I know now. So, you know, I had no idea. And that was just a couple of years after my second burnout as well you know I was in a a completely different headspace back then it was that I think also because I'd entered I'm gonna maybe be a bit controversial here but I'd entered that world of motherhood and I felt like I was being very judged on how I was mothering my son because everyone has an opinion when you have children (laughs) yeah everyone's got to put their two cents worth everyone so I think that external pressure in my new world as a mum was also playing out in my professional life because I was feeling judged in what I was doing in motherhood I just automatically thought I'd be judged in how I was performing when I went back to work and I think that's a pretty classic example of how 
both the personal and professional worlds can collide with expectations. And first of all, I just want to say my hope is that all of us, and even for myself included, like my story at the start, like, can we just be more compassionate and give ourselves more grace that where we're at right now isn't permanent it's just a part of the flow and a part of where we're at right now to lead us to the bigger picture which is always down the track it's never where we're currently at but I kind of feel like that might flow us into a little bit more of the expectations in our personal life because while we so frequently try to separate personal and professional there is always a blur there always is. It's natural. We, once again, we don't have this shut off valve that when we walk through the doors to our workplace, that everything in our personal life is just left outside as much as you try to. I hear so frequently from you know paramedics and nurses and whatnot that they just have to shut it all out and focus on the job, which is so true. But at the same time, you're still impacted by everything that's going on in in your life it's still there in your subconscious you can't get rid of it you may not be consciously thinking about it but it's in there and it's creating beliefs and in that moment that could be clouding how you're feeling exactly and then we create all of these stories in our head about what everything supposedly means and it creates once again more pressure and expectations on ourselves. So you were just discussing how you felt so many expectations on yourself as a mother and how that infiltrated into your workplace as a nurse. Have you noticed any other particular areas that nurses potentially really have that crossover an awful lot? I think we've got a a crossover from all aspects. You know, it's I think parenting is a big one because a lot of us are parents and we all wear these different hats. You know, we're all either parents or we're someone's children or nephews or nieces or, you know, whatever it is, grandparents even. And the pressure that we feel through wearing that hat and fulfilling that role will influence what we're doing at work as well. You know, there's external pressures everywhere. I mean, don't get me on my soapbox about the media, you know, (laughs) that's a huge one. And that's where a lot of our judgments of ourselves and our expectations of ourselves is coming from is like, I spoke openly in Michelle and I's last episode about how I still to this day have issues with my body and body image they've all come from media driven sources as well as other sources that I discussed in that podcast episode but a lot of them are from the media because I don't look like these chicks on the pages of these glossy mags you know I think I need to do a whole podcast episode on body image (laughs) yeah I think that's there's another one coming soon if you want Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like there's been conversations lead us down that road and therefore it's probably going to have to be an entire podcast episode on that one. Yeah, so look forward to that one coming soon because it keeps seem to be cropping up. Yes, exactly. But I feel like it's pretty accurate. You know, there's so many pressures and some of them in plain sight and others that are just maybe 
subtle. So yeah, I think you're right, Elena. I think body image is one of the many examples of how there's continuously lots of pressures happening around us that we might not be fully aware of how it's actually impacting us. There's lots of things out there impacting us and our subconscious, as you know, Michelle's trained in NLP like myself. So we're both fascinated with how the subconscious and the unconscious mind works. And there's so many external influences out there that we're not aware of. We're not expected to be aware of. But once you are aware of them, you kind of can see where they're coming into play. But unless you've studied this stuff, you don't realize that they're coming into play. And it can turn up as things like procrastination as well. I mean, procrastination can come as a result of us not wanting to fulfill expectations that we have on ourselves that are unrealistic because we are putting this high expectation on ourselves to almost be perfect. But what is perfect? Perfect is different to every single person on this planet. There is no like definition of perfect. It all is open to interpretation and perfect to me might be different to perfect to Michelle. So because we get caught up in this head spin of I don't want to do it because I've got this expectation. It's got to be like X, Y or Z. And if I can't do that, then I may as well just not do it. So I'll find some avoidance strategy so that I don't have to do it in the first place. Exactly. And that looks like that self-sabotage and things like that too because it's almost like you've got the blinkers on it's got to be done a certain way instead of if you take the blinkers off there's so many more options out there and I think it's so important like you were saying there's, there's actually no such thing as perfect because everyone's definition is different but it's also the same for reality like There is no such thing as what is realistic because what is realistic for one person is definitely not for somebody else. And then I really detest when people use the term, oh, just be realistic because I'm like, no, 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 no. Hang on a second. What you deem as unrealistic, I guarantee you there are people out there doing it or living it or whatever. So... No, there actually is not a definition of realistic either because, once again, that's super individual too. Yeah, and it's all going back to that perspective and that lens of perspective that we all look at. We all look at life through this different lens. It's all an accumulation of our life experiences and professional experiences, all our whole culmination of All the events that have happened in our life, both major and subtle, have influenced how we now look at the world. So our reality is very different to someone else's reality. And it's about recognizing that we are all individuals and we've all got different capabilities. We've all got different needs. We've all got different desires and being okay with that because we're all human and we're all designed to be different. We're not robots or we would all look the same. Exactly. And I think that's really important too, because there's such a push for everyone to fit in these little boxes and to all be the same and None of us are the same. Like there's a reason that 
every one of us has a different thumbprint and that we all look so unique in every way, shape and form. It's like we're supposed to be like we're not really supposed to compare ourselves with each other. We can only compare ourselves with who we were yesterday and how we are improving. I love that. I use that regularly. The only person you should compare yourself to is who you were yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the only person that you're really truly ever in competition with, so to speak, if you want to go down that competition mentality. You are your own benchmark. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of like there's this meme that I've seen on Facebook over the years that's like all the animals in school and they're all lined up together and there's like a fish and an elephant and a monkey and a lion and the role is they're all going to be graded on how fast they can climb a tree. Like if how is that even a fair comparison and we laugh at these sorts of memes like I'm a sucker for a good meme like give me a good meme and it'll make me happy but there's so much truth behind that like if we were to judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree you would say it's a idiot like that it's hopeless it'll never be able to achieve anything and yet if we class it on its ability to swim well, it's going to be completely different. And likewise with the monkey, the monkey would excel at climbing that tree, no drama, but then pop it in the same ocean waters as the fish and it's probably not going to last very long. And while that's comical, there's so much that relates to ourself in that. We're so busy comparing that we're not really comparing with a proper benchmark. I love that you used the fish analogy because it was running through my head at the same time. You took the words out of my mouth there, Michelle. I love that. And yet we have to be our own benchmarks. We can't judge ourselves against anyone or anything else. We have to keep striving to be the best versions of ourselves, but at the same time offering ourselves compassion because we are human and we can't, like, what's that other saying? There's a lot of old sayings going on here. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And we, yeah, it's a classic. And we are all works in progress. We can't judge ourselves once we do learn things differently. We can't judge ourselves on what we've done in the past. And I know I've fought with that being a parent to two ADHD children, you know, it's being on that journey with them has taught me that I need to parent them in a different way to how I maybe would have traditionally parented them. But when you start reading the books and the literature and looking at the research on how to parent these children, I could feel myself very quickly going down this path of, oh my God, I'm such a bad mom. Why have I not been doing this before? But I have to pull myself back. And I've had a conversation recently with a friend whose child has been diagnosed too, and I lent her a book. And she was like, but Elena, like, I feel like I've not been doing it right all this time. And I said, yeah, but you can't do what you don't know. So we can't judge the past versions of ourselves either. You know, we're all doing the best we can with what we know at the time. Exactly. And I think that is such an important thing to remember because we can berate ourselves 
for the things that we've done and past choices that we've made. But we are always, and I like to think that people are innately good in their actions, in their thoughts and their deeds that they do in life. And so we're all doing the best we can with the resources that we have at that time. So when you look back on the past and you go, oh, I wish I did X, Y, Z better. Well, if you could have, you would have. So shut up and leave it in the past. It's done. You can't do any more about it. All you can do now is what's in this present moment. And so I would lovingly like to invite everyone to maybe even contemplate with curiosity, where in your life are you placing expectations upon yourself that aren't necessarily healthy, whether it's in your work, whether it's in your personal life, whatever capacity that it's coming through. But what's the stories that you're telling yourself? I'm too old for this. I'm not good enough for that. At this age, I should have X, Y, Z sorted, should be able to parent better. I should be blah, 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 expectation, insert your own versions of inner narratives there and be curious about it. Why is it there? First of all, because I'm a curious person, I love to pull on those threads pretty solidly and just see where they end up. But in a curious way, explore the expectations that you're placing upon yourself and are they helping you or are they actually creating a more challenging life for you to lead? Yeah, that's a beautiful journaling question, actually, Michelle. You know, often when we start writing things down, we very soon start opening, it's almost like you open a can of worms and you can see where it's come from as you trace it back and you get back to the source of where this expectation or this judgment that you have on yourself, where it's originating from. 100%. And I agree with you too. You know, I'm a big fan of journaling as well, because it it gets all of the thoughts that are rolling around in your head out on paper. So you can actually make sense of them, number one. But number two, when it's going around in your head, I don't know about you, but I know for me, it can feel like there's so much more in there than what there really is. There's been times when I've journaled stuff out on paper and I'm like, no, that can't be it. There's got to be more in there. It feels like so much more. And it's not. It's just the same story being told in a million different ways in my head. And I'm like, oh, for heaven's sake. So, but then I know what the centerpiece is that is crying out for my attention. And I think that's it. You can, I always say that journaling is like, say you've got your computer. So I'm standing here in front of mine. And at times it starts to run slow and it gets really clunky. So I will either delete some files or I will move them onto an external hard drive to free up the space on the computer so it can function better. Journaling is like moving that files in your head out onto your external hard drive so that you can free up the space so that you can think better. (laughs) I love that. It's it's like the way I think about it in my head is I've got too many tabs open, so I need to close some tabs. Put them on paper. I just like, I'm like, I'm doing a brain dump into my journal so that I can free up this space of all this whirling vortex of disappointment in myself or judgment of myself or... 
You know, because it does, it kills our joy. We're so focused on it and it kind of, we're projecting into the future with it too. It's not present moment stuff, you know. We're either worrying about the past or projecting into the future. So by writing it all down, it brings us right back into the here and now and we can reconnect with ourselves in the present moment. Exactly. And I love that. And I also think that constant reminder about it, stealing your joy is just so, profound because when you're in that expectation piece like my story I shared right at the start about oh my writing should be like this I know what I'm capable of I know what I can do in that moment I wasn't fully present and enjoying what I was actually doing which is one of the things that I love and I'm most passionate about in the world it's like why am I even doing that because I'm wrecking it for myself and the thing is when you are present in that activity whatever it is you're doing you'll be better at it because you're not caught in your head you're in that present moment and you're just on autopilot if things come back much quicker to you you know what and to conclude that story too a week later I was riding again with some friends different horse but still you know I wasn't in that same space that I was the previous weekend where I was judging myself and expecting my riding abilities to be where they were and I just road and I just had fun and I just was you know working on a few things that came up with my friend's horse as we were going and one of my friends she took some footage and photos and everything and then I was looking back at it and I'm like ah see when you stop worrying about it a week later like literally one ride later I'd already improved exponentially and I didn't have that expectation on myself because my expectation was just to go and have fun. Just be present and be joyous and in the moment rather than worrying about what other people are thinking or what you look like or should be like or how things should be or that should word you know whenever you feel should you know you're judging there's an element of judgment in there if you're saying should that's a judge word so you know go exploring why you're using it whenever you're shooting yourself how are you judging yourself or could that's another one should and could they're both judgment words i think the irony of you know, my writing story was as soon as I took that expectation off, like without that being a focal point, I still exceeded where I was at even just a week prior to. So that's, like I said, the ironic aspect of it. When you just chill the fuck out and let yourself actually be present in the joy, in the moment, knowing that you're absolutely capable of what you're doing and if you need help, you can ask for help, et cetera, et cetera, then you probably will surprise yourself time and time again with what you are actually capable of doing both personally and professionally. Expectation and judgment, the biggest killers of joy. That's what I always say. I love that. And I love that you've mentioned that a few times because hopefully that really hits at home. Like if you take nothing else away from our conversation today, just hear those words. It'll be so worth it. So on the flip side, compassion for ourselves and presence, that's what does bring us joy. They are the two elements that bring us joy. Focus on presence and compassion. 
and you'll be filled with much more joyous events and adventures and moments that's the word I'm looking for in your life well that's all we've ever got really is the here and now and we tend to spend a lot of time in the past which no longer exists it's just a memory and then in the future which also doesn't exist because it's not here yet so we're living in places that aren't actually here all we have is right here and right now and that's where they say the power is and of course it is because this is the only moment you can ever do something with and it's fluid and it's changing so it doesn't matter what you've done on the lead up to now but what are you going to do with this information and self-reflection perhaps about judgments and expectations moving forward definitely I hope we've given you some food for thought you know Michelle mentioned that journaling question earlier you know where is this coming from and just yeah journal it out and pray Presence. Presence is such a beautiful thing to be able to achieve. And you know, I will encourage you all even to meditate regularly because when we can get good at meditation and get in that moment of presence and that space of being completely present, you find yourself getting into it naturally throughout the day and living in a more present way rather than always worrying about the past or the future. I love it. And my meditation is on my website to download to help you. If you don't know where to start with meditation, I have a free guided one on my website. I'll put the link to it in the show notes for you. Perfect. So... I think we have had a rather interesting conversation around expectation today. It went off on its own tangent, like always, Michelle. I love having these chats. I don't know where we're going to end up. <laughs> I love having these chats with you, but they're always so relevant. And I think they're very relatable and we share our own life experience. And it helps the listeners to relate to what it is we're, we're seeing and the message that we're trying to share. So thank you for coming on the show again. It's all was so much fun where can the listeners find you if they would like to learn more about what you do absolutely that i'm on the usual social media platforms so instagram and facebook both at the michelle powell i also have a website that you can download a little freebie from if you're after a little free article that's at themichellepow.com.au. Thank you. And that'll all be in the show notes too. So you can click the links there as well. Thank you again, Michelle. It's been wonderful chatting to you. And we'll have to get a time scheduled for that next episode as well. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Happiness Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, 
happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.